Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, the holidays for real, sis. It's happening. (laughs) It's here making Christmas, making Christmas. It's here. We can no longer deny that this is for real. And we have to give ourselves grace, which is why we're reintroducing one of our favorite past holiday episodes, Holiday Fails, where we hear from everybody about all the truly terrible things that happened at the holiday. Yeah. And then just in time to create our own new fresh holiday fails. My most recent holiday fail we got like a, a side of beef, like a Whoville roast beast kind of thing. And, yes. And we went yeah. to my mother-in-law's and it was, you know, family Christmas and we're bringing the roast beast. And I mean, a beef tenderloin for 16 people is like a week's wages. It's pretty expensive. It's so expensive. The pressure is so high. And then what did I do? I cooked it for like- you burnt it. Three to five minutes too long. Yeah. And it was oh. gray and tough and not delicious. We tried to we tried to like it. $200 worth of delicious. It wasn't. It was it's like, hilarious because oh. Amy and I, before we got on today, we were like, choose a holiday fail. And I want you to see my notebook so you know I'm not lying. Overcooking the expensive <laughs> beef is my holiday oh, no. fail. As everyone on this podcast who listens knows, I'm a terrible cook. I'm not even a terrible cook. I'm a decent recipe follower. But I just go to the butcher and I'm like, if I wanted to eat a steak, what would I have? have to buy. Like, I don't understand. Marbling. You leave it to the experts. Strip steak versus rump roast. Like, I don't get it. I don't have the bandwidth, Amy, to dial in on cuts of meat. I've got enough (laughs) going on in this world. This was, I mean, I wasn't sold a bad cut. I just screwed it up. Literally, all you have to do is not cook it like 30 seconds too long, but I managed to do that. But I didn't understand when I cooked my first Christmas roast, when the guy at the butcher shop told me, maybe we were having nine people, that the meat was going to be like, I don't know, almost $100. I almost had a heart attack. You could go to Ruth's Chris and just take everybody to dinner for for less, it feels like. It, it just it just was staggered me. I don't know why it was not on my radar that like a really good cut of meat was extremely expensive. Well, and I was like, yeah. is it made of gold? I don't understand. <laughs> my secondary problem was I'm used to a turkey. That's the thing I cook at the holidays generally that takes like seven hours. So I did not understand. You basically don't want to cook that level of beef at all. You just have to like breathe some hot air on it. But yes, I overcooked the $98 roast and and it's just, it's such a deep fail. Well, it's good to not feel alone. I feel better knowing that you did it too. At Thanksgiving this year, we fried the turkeys again. And once you, let me tell you, don't fry a turkey unless you're really willing to be a turkey fryer for the rest of your life because the fried turkey is unbelievably good. And it takes like, it's like pressure cooker, like level. It takes 45 minutes, but it involves a level of death defying bravery that is also, it's very stressful. Here's the secret. It doesn't actually take that much shorter because by the time you set up the burner and the eight people do a consult on how not to burn the house down, I would say probably not a time saver, but it is delicious. My husband admitted this year that last year he deep fried the turkey with all the stuff inside, the giblets (gasps) and the plastic plastic bag inside. And we ate it anyway. It was fine because unlike an oven, it doesn't have time to melt. So he just like pulled it back out. He only admitted it this time that he'd done it. I just pulled it back out and served it. It was fine. And you were like, I was wondering why I had new onset joint pain. It was the microplastics. Exactly. Melt. I had some deep fried plastic last year for Thanksgiving, but it tasted delicious. And we're all still here. We're here for another year. I'm going to picture everybody right now 
cooking and wrapping, wrapping and prepping and driving or just relaxing. <laughs> if you're not a Christmas person, God bless you, because hopefully you're just relaxing and listening to this podcast and hopefully really enjoying these hilarious holiday fails. First Christmas, she gave you her heart. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I have so much to do. I can't enjoy Christmas. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. The Vomiting Christmas Baby. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Bah humbug. Everybody, welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we are talking about holiday fails. <laughs> Things go so wrong at this time of year, Amy. Funny how that happens. I feel like I'm soaking in it. I am currently experiencing a holiday fail of being so behind on everything I need to do. I have my list, but... Amy, you're saying you have a list? Is that what you're saying? It's not getting executed. Is there a spreadsheet? Yeah. <laughs> Hold my beer, you're saying, right? <laughs> Hold my eggnog. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised that you have a list, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah, the holidays, it's just like we're already really busy. I say often about motherhood, it's like you're already running the marathon. You don't need a sprained ankle. Mm -hmm. And the holidays are basically one big sprained ankle. <laughs> They're like, here we come. You thought you were busy before. How about cards, calendars, presents, meals, travel? And concert and other concert and... Oh, concerts, concerts. We have the concerts and like the concert is always the day where you're like, okay, I don't have the shirt, the tie. I don't know where the trombone is. Mm -hmm. Oh, concerts. We have a thing at my kid's school. There's like a Hanukkah, a special dress up for Hanukkah day, and then a special dress up for Kwanzaa day. Or I should say dress down. Like they usually wear a uniform. This is my youngest. They usually have to wear a uniform. But for Kwanzaa day, they can have a dress down day in red and green. And then so then I'm always like, ah, you don't have anything green. Yeah. It's a little bit stressful. Much like it's like at the end of the year when everyone's like, already checked out then they start having crazy hair days and stuff you're like i'm all set thanks i'm all i'm busy enough i don't need anything else on the list <laughs> we're a christmas family and i hot take i love christmas i'm way into it i do too i love it and so i try at the holidays despite the inner voice of doom i try not to be a scrooge yeah, like if we had a guess, right, which one of us would be Merry Christmas, Uncle, and which one would be Bah Humbug, if you had a guess. People would say me. I'm the Bah Humbug. I mean, maybe is all I'm saying, but no. I'm way into it. I mean, I love... Your Fezziwig. As a kid, I loved it. I love it as a mom. I loved it as a single person. Like, I love all the stuff. Like, I love the music and I love I just really am into it but at the same time I feel the creeping weeds coming up to grab me and pull me into Bah Humbug land all the time the Bah Humbug is like the stuff I'm not getting done They're like uh, that part of it right it's very easy to spend the whole season be like Ugh, this is really just about whether or not I can get everyone to send me pictures so I can make the whimsical calendar mm. that I make for everybody in the family with all the pictures. And it's really about like sitting in like the salt mines of filling out Christmas cards and getting them out. And so I try really hard not to get in that mode, but it's always there trying to grab me. So last week, my husband had a sort of like an open afternoon. And I will say, based on conversations that we've had this year, he really is trying to take on more. I like it. Of the sort of invisible work. And I mean, Christmas is, there's a lot of invisible work to make the Christmas magic happen, if you feel me, right? And I've always just done yes. 100% of it and then been frantic. So He's like, what can we take off your list? I'm like, the problem is I still have to make the list. It's hard. But he said, like, let's go out to lunch and then we'll do a little Christmas shopping. 
And I was like, I have too much to do for that in my head. I have way too much to do for that. It is not like that is the most inefficient use of my afternoon. I'm like, like, what am I doing? My loved one is inviting me to experience the magic of Christmas. So and I live in New York City. So we went out to a leisurely lunch and then we went to a department store. And that's where I went kind of bah humbug because it was like it was madness. It was packed with people. You couldn't find what you were looking for. And he has sort of ridiculously specific ideas of what he wants to get for people. I'm thrilled he has specific ideas. I'm thrilled he has any idea instead of me just doing it. But like gloves that are only in a specific color. And I'm like, you know what? You don't really do this in a department store anymore. Just get the gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Just get gloves that look nice. Or if they have to be cranberry cashmere gloves, then like that's what the Internet's for, right? Like I'm not going <laughs> to stand around on the sixth floor here in line with 10 people. Right. Uh, while people are like punching each other out over like yeah. perfume samples. Yeah. I was trying to like feel the magic of the shop windows, but I was, but yeah, at least 51% of my brain the whole time was like, I have so much to do. I can't enjoy Christmas. I have to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that's the dynamic of the season, which is like, There's a lot of expectation that it has to be perfect, that it has to be Pinterest, you know, that it has to be like everything is festooned in a very specific way and it's going to be the most magical day of the year. And we are talking about fails. And I think that the thing about holidays is that there is that like bow on the car in the driveway kind of commercial aspect that you get easily sucked into that like oh it's all going to be magical and like we've all had the Christmas especially when you have little kids and I have gotten in the habit of kind of giving this lecture to my family the day before Christmas not to my kids but to the adults that like especially with little kids, this doesn't always go great. You know, (laughs) we've talked about that there's happiness studies that say that looking forward to something is peak happiness and experiencing it is not as high happiness as looking forward to it. There's the Advent wreath at church and every week you're getting closer and lighting a new candle and it. The anticipation is so much fun and the music is part of that and the baking cookies is part of that and that when the actual day kind of goes off the rails, that's fine too. There is no such thing as a perfect Hanukkah. There is no such thing as a perfect Christmas. And so allowing yourself to enjoy the anticipation of it is really, really important because the day often involves tears in my kids' case because they're just so hyped up and like it is the God-shaped hole of Christmas, which is like I think a Nerf gun is going to fill it, but like somehow it's hard to get to like this was as good as we all this anticipation was about. So like lean into the anticipation and imagine Imagining how exciting it's going to be when Santa comes to your house instead of feeling let down when the kids don't react to the thing that Santa brought them that they wanted more than anything that now. And lean into the fails in terms of like, we have a famous example in our family where my nieces and nephews were getting bikes for Christmas. And I think the grandparents had contributed to the bikes and everyone was like, it's the Christmas of bikes and it was going to be so exciting and the bikes were kind of expensive and this had been established like family-wide or just did the kids want santa to bring them bikes no i think the kids were going to be surprised by bikes but like all the adults had chipped in to make the bikes appear and the bikes at christmas were completely overshadowed by like two packs of pokemon cards like that was the gift that everybody cared about and It's great. Like, it's fun, too, that that's what kids are. They're like they're sideways. And sometimes they like to play with the box more than the toy. You have to hold it kind of lightly and you have to be light on your feet. And I have tried to make this point with my kids and I have basically given up because it's kind of useless. I have one kid who is Christmas crazy and is stuff crazy. His God-shaped hole is a toy shape. You know, he's like, I can fill this with toys and be happy. Is that thing that Santa's going to bring me that's going to, I don't even know what it is, but Santa's going to surprise me with this thing that's going to make it all work. Yeah. And like back in our day, it was like the Toys R Us catalog and you would circle stuff. And it was like, yes. Oh, my God. And I say to my kids all the time, what did you get last year? Make remember all the things you got last year. And they don't remember. That's the thing. Oh, that's interesting. They don't remember what they got, which this sounds kind of like a motivational poster, but like they actually do not remember what they got. 
they love the anticipation of making the lists and imagining the wonder and the actual stuff and how it turns out. Meh. Who cares? That's really interesting. When I was my first Christmas as a mother, my oldest is now 17. First Christmas, she gave you her heart. <laughs> and he was a teeny tiny baby. He His birthday is December 7th. So he was like little. And we were going home to our hometown for Christmas. And my spouse and I were both from the same place. So you can imagine how much two sets of grandparents and two sets of aunts and uncles wanted to see the like two-week-old tiny Christmas present and his 100,000 Santa outfits. Did you dress him in a little bitty Santa suit? It was hard to rotate through all the Christmas tiny baby outfits he had received, but I did my best. Right. The babies for the 86 babies first Christmas onesies. Right. So he was in outfit number 15. And so we had a tight schedule we were going to keep to, right? We had like Christmas brunch at Yaya's house and then Christmas lunch at Nana's house. And then we're going to go over here for presents and then we're going to go over here for eggnog, whatever. It was a big schedule. Well, huge, huge snowstorm came in and it was, you know, like coming down so fast. And I was very focused on the perfect Christmas that I had imagined, which was like here I was at my in-law's house and we're under the tree with the baby, but we have to get to my side of the family's house where everybody was waiting for us. I'm the oldest of a big family. I had at this time siblings that were still like in grade school and high school and they had a new, they were uncles and aunts. Like it was really important to me to get the baby down the mountain and over to their house. Well, guess what happens? Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house. You wanted to go. Right. Over the river and through the woods. And we were going. So we headed out, my husband and me, and the baby in the car seat. And like 25 minutes later, we'd gone half a mile. And my husband had to call it and be like, this like, this isn't safe. We're going to turn back and we're going to go home. And I was so disappointed. I didn't disagree with him. You know, even in my postpartum haze, I could see this was a bad idea. And we had to turn around and go back. Poor choice. And in the moment, it seemed like such a big deal. And then we just like we waited and did the Christmas present exchanging with the new baby and all that. Like we just did it the next day. And it was in the moment a fail that was looming so large to me. And now it is interestingly, as you said, I do really remember it. It's like, remember the Christmas that we tried to get to your parents' house and we couldn't. We had to turn back. It was so bad. That's the one I remember, not the one where everything went fine. My first couple of Christmases going to my in-laws, my husband and I got married and had a baby right away. So my oldest was a September 25th, so three months at the first Christmas. I definitely remember being in a back room and freaking out because like, I couldn't find the camera. Christmas has to be this very specific way. The in-laws aren't doing it the right way. And like managing all of those emotions, I've gotten a lot better around that. Like, this is a real Christmas. We're not, we don't have exactly the right, we're supposed to have bacon and eggs and blueberry muffins for breakfast on Christmas. That's what Christmas is. And letting go of that stuff as you have to manage different families, not, not, not easy. I think it's a good time to take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about some of the holiday fails that you guys have all told us about. There's some good ones. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this <laughs> yes. point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to 
any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Okay, so we went out to our Facebook page, as we are wont to do, and we asked you guys for some holiday fails that you have experienced. And as usual, you came through with a lot of hilarious ones. You delivered. You delivered. A lot of people got sick at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, the vomiting Christmas baby, Amy. The theme emerges. <laughs> the vomiting Christmas baby. That should be a... <laughs> that should be... There's room for a novelty holiday song called The Vomiting Christmas Baby, if anyone wants to compose that. If there can be Dominic the Christmas donkey, there can be... Yeah, there could be the vomiting Christmas baby. Meg, not me, a different Meg, when she was 11, had chicken pox over Christmas break and had to stay at the very end of the room for the entire Christmas. Oh, she had the Christmas plague. We did this once. We had a Thanksgiving. It wasn't a Christmas where we were supposed to be flying to Texas and probably 40 hours before our flight left, I had gone to pick up the baby it was probably like a two month old my oldest and I was like oh he spit up a little bit and I was like oh that spit up really doesn't smell good like oh and like four hours later I had that kind of stomach flu where like things were coming out of my eyeballs like it was just like illness was just evacuating my body in every possible way (laughs) and then I was like David, my husband, you have to handle this. And he was like, I've got it. I'll pack the bags. And like half an hour later, he's like, nope, going to start vomiting. And like <gasps> the three of us were just crawling around the floors. Like, I mean, it was we were so sick. And it was like the countdown to this flight was getting closer and closer. And we got ourselves together enough where we could get on the plane and we just basically like hunched over. And then, of course, we went to Thanksgiving and we were like, I think we're going to be OK. And we were like, you guys, you won't believe how sick we were. And it was like an Agatha Christie story where people start disappearing. Like one person <laughs> would just be like, I'm not feeling great. It was like the airplane, the movie, you know, like oh, I never get sick at home. Like everyone just was dropping like flies. And my sister-in-law got engaged that Thanksgiving break and like came in and showed us the ring and was like, I've got to go. And was within oh, an no. hour of getting engaged was like vomiting all night. It was awful. We gave it to everybody. I can't believe you just made me remember I had somehow blocked this one out. My holiday almost fail. Maybe it's because I rescued it from the bin. We were flying to Florida for Christmas, and we had clearly established that Santa was going to be coming to Florida that year. Yes. So Santa's sleigh was packed for Florida. Yes. We were in Pennsylvania. There was an ice storm. The airport was closed. I had a two-month-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, a newly five-year-old. And we weren't going to get out. It is Christmas Eve. We weren't going to get to Florida. And so my spouse and I were like, what do we do? And so we kind of sat the kids down as we were like on a delay with no information kind of thing, explained to them, the five-year-old and three-year-old, like, so there's going to be this thing. We might not fly, but don't worry because if Santa comes to Florida, then we'll just see what Santa brought when we got to Florida. And my five-year-old with great certainty was like, no, 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 it's fine. Santa has a magic snowball and he will look in it. And so if we're going to be here tomorrow morning, he'll figure it out. Santa's way ahead of you guys. It's fine. He's telling his little brother, like, no worries. He'll just come here instead. And we were like, (laughs) so you can imagine how the parents reacted to that bit of information. So my husband is the sweet talker of all time. You want him on your side, like in a crowded restaurant and an airport. I don't know what it is. He just has 
the gift. He's got the gift of gab. He got us on like the last five seats or four seats because I had a tiny baby. Four seats like out and in some crazy connection, Santa came to Florida. And we were there to greet Christmas morn. It made it happen, but it was hairy. It's like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Betty Joe says, one year when I was young, my mom bought red paper napkins to use for Christmas dinner. As we were having a lot of company during the dinner, everyone started looking around at each other strangely. Dye on the napkins was coming off on our faces as the napkins got moist. Everyone ended up with red around their mouths and noses. Oh. Very memorable Christmas. It's technically a fail. Very sweet. But everybody remembers it, right? I hope everybody got to see the picture that Betty Joe put up on the Facebook page for this. It's a very memorable Christmas 1980. My parents forgot to defrost the turkey. After opening presents, my dad sat at the dining room table with a hair dryer and defrosted the turkey. I'm surprised we didn't all get sick that year, Betty Joe says. I, too, am very surprised by that. For Christmas Day, I usually make something called Christmas pasta, which you guys, I'm going to put it up on the show page. It's so good. Whoa, Christmas pasta. This is crazy talk. It's a Rachel Ray recipe. What? And she's coming from, you know how like in Christmas Eve, if you're from an Italian family, which I sincerely wish I was, I am not. You're kind of honorary from an Italian. You have Italian in your family. Yeah. I mean, my mother-in-law's Italian, but they don't have this. Lots of Italian families have this tradition where you make like nine kinds of fish on Christmas Eve. It's a huge seafood dinner. No, it's not nine. It's seven, I think. Seven. I always get it wrong. Italian people reach out to us. I think it's the seven fishes. Yeah. You, like everything's fish. It's a lot of fishes. And some of it's like dried cod and maybe you don't want it. But it, it sounds great to me. I always wish somebody would invite me to one of these Christmas Eve dinners. I've never been apart. I'm like looking through the snow paned window wishing I could be inside like the girl with the chicken pox. Yeah. You're staring at the Italians and being like, anyone want to invite me in? Hello? We must have some Italian listeners who want to invite you for Christmas Eve. Please invite me. So anyway, Rachel Ray's Christmas pasta is, it's basically just like every kind of sausage and ground veal and whatever, and like rosemary and pasta. So we tend to have that. And that's what we have for dinner on Christmas. Yes, because it's like, because, yeah, like... That blows my mind. Santa worked pretty hard. I mean, it's a fancy pasta. Like, it's not ragu from a jar, but it's a very meaty pasta dish that is very... The opposite of seafood stuff, I guess, is the point. We do... Ours is roast beef Yorkshire pudding. That's the only acceptable Christmas dinner for me. Do your kids eat Yorkshire pudding? Yeah. I mean, it's bread, basically. Like, that's, in fact, the thing they like the most. And then we have ketchup as the side for the beef. (laughs) Everything's better with ketchup. Tomato coulis. Yes, exactly. This one gave me absolute nightmares. I had not thought of this one. Gretchen Thanksgiving fail. I still don't think we've gotten rid of the oil from our Thanksgiving turkey. Four and a half gallons of used turkey frying oil spilled in the back of our brand new SUV while taking the oil back to our house from the neighbors. This was before the days of rubber floor mats. Let me just say rubber floor mats would have done very little to help this. Yeah. And we had cloth seats. 14 years later, it still smells of rancid turkey on a hot day. (laughs) Oh, gross. That is really bad. That is a bad one, guys. I have a related PSA on Christmas main courses, which is the ham. A lot of people do ham on Christmas. Don't invite me over if you do ham, guys. Ham is the worst. Hot take ham. Well, we had a big extended family Christmas with a big buffet kind of thing, because there are so many of us, including ham. And certain people who attended the party were extremely sick that night, and certain other ones were not. And it was ascertained that it was those who had not eaten ham who were safe from the ghost of Christmas vomit that visited that evening. Who prepared the ham? I'm not going to say. It's a relative. (laughs) I'm sure he or she is very sorry. Wasn't me. I'm not going to say. I think the culprit was leaving it out. We're not going to point fingers, but you did it. It was like 20 minutes too long at room temperature on the counter. So mind your hams. The hams. Talk about an oldie locks alert. The salmon moose. Back in my day. (laughs) Monty Python fans will know what I'm talking about. There's a famous Monty Python skit movie where like everyone's dead and it was the salmon moose that killed them all. Can we pivot to uh, a non-food related holiday fail? Sure. Why not? Which is, Rachel says her holiday fail is when the spouse gets you something after you agree to no presents. Oh, guys, we've got to get clear on this one. It's such a problem. My husband and I do this all the time. We do tend to both get 
the other person something, but this is a problem. I have a funny story about this. Back when my spouse was maybe a little bit less engaged in Christmas magic, he had a friend who was working on pajamagram. He was like an account executive for an ad company and they're working on pajamagram and it came up. And since they're not a sponsor, I will say that during this conversation that all of us had, I was like, that's like, I don't know. I think that's a kind of a lame present to get somebody. Like, I don't really understand why pajamagram is a company. Well, Christmas morning. Cut to Christmas morning. Two months later. What's under your tree? What had been shipped like double express shipping. Yeah, the only present I got was a pajamagram. And I opened it and he was like, I remember you mentioning it. I'm like, in a negative context. Yes, I did. I forgot, obviously, the context. Because he forgot until like, you know. 6 p.m. on December 23rd to get me anything and then to get you anything. So he got me a pajama gram and then I ridiculed him on my blog. And then like people were coming up to him at work. You got her a pajama gram and he didn't know. (laughs) He had no idea how the word had gotten out. We the worst fight I've ever had with my husband ever. And this is something, ladies, if you're newly married or your husband stinks at this, I will say there's hope in the future, but you have to take them to the woodshed and explain to them what your expectations are. The first Christmas we were married, I had a new baby, a three-month-old baby who had just been born that September. And my husband, and I do believe he was really trying to be good, bought me a diaper backpack. That was the gift that I received with like lots of convenient places to hold things for the baby. It was a backpack. And I mean, in his defense, it was red and black. It was after, how was it? It couldn't have been after we started the podcast. It was probably after I was doing my blog, but it was like red and black, which are my colors, fine. So he'd put some thought into it and he was... And like, of course, his brother and our sister-in-law were there and his brother got his sister-in-law like, do you remember once you mentioned these earrings when we were in this city? Like I flew back to that city (laughs) and bought you the earrings you want. Like, of course, his brother had gotten his wife like the most thoughtful gift. And I I mean, it was not a pretty moment. I took him out side and I yelled at him for like an hour and I was like this gift is it's worse than no gift at all it's a gift that says I only think of you as a mom who needs more convenient ways to change diapers and it was ugly it was really an ugly Christmas but I will say in a calmer moment talked to him and was like hey here's the thing like I do a lot at Christmas time for a lot of people including a lot of your people which is fine but When the only thing waiting for me under the tree after 30 days of solid work to make everyone's Christmas magical is a diaper backpack, that's a hard fail. And you got to do better. Did he take the note, as we say in showbiz? He took the note. He did. He took the note. He now puts me to shame at Christmas time. Like he does. I literally like put the fear of God in him. Like my eyes were rolling back in my head. I was like Elsa, like frozen things were flying from my fingertips. I was like Godzilla, like fire was coming out of my mouth. Like I don't think I've ever been so upset in our entire marriage. (laughs) And he took the note. All right, guys, we're going to talk about this more after the break. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. 
More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. As we close out the year, we want to wish you a very happy holiday season from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Joys of the season to you, Mom, trying desperately to buckle her kid into his car seat, even though he's rigid as a board and won't bend so you can strap him in to the point where you are seriously considering karate chopping him in the stomach. Happy Hanukkah to you, Mom, of a kid throwing a full-blown meltdown in aisle six at Target because you won't buy them a life-size LOL doll that costs as much as your car payment. Merry Christmas to you, Mom, whose kids made their Christmas lists months ago, and then you dutifully bought everything on those lists. And then one week ago, they changed their minds, and now they don't really want any of the presents you already bought. Happy holidays to you dads whose teens haven't spoken to them in a month except for to demand food, but who still expect you to buy them an expensive gaming system this year. Merry seasons to the mom who forgot to take the bag out of the turkey and ended up with a toxic plastic fire instead of a meal. To you, we say, hey, at least you tried. And Happy New Year to all you moms and dads out there baking cookies, lighting candles, decking the halls, cooking all your family's favorite foods. Another year of being the best parent you know how to be, leaning on your friends, and making your relationships work even when it's hard. You're doing it, guys, and we salute you. Happy everything to you all. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, Anna has a truly terrible holiday worst. Okay, what is it? The year she turned eight, they were keeping the gerbil over Christmas break, the class gerbil. And the heat broke, and when the appliance repairman came to fix it, he turned the heat up too high, and the gerbil died. <laughs> they had a holiday gerbil murder. <laughs> In related rodent news, Kelly said her holiday fail is that loving parents, presumably her, by deserving child, a hamster for Christmas. Hamster is waiting for child under tree. On Christmas morning, parents are rudely awakened by a shrieking cousin. Oh my goodness, Santa brought mice! <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I cannot let my children listen to this podcast because the only thing they want in the world for Christmas this year is a hamster. Mm. And as you know, if you listen to our pets episode, I have a very strong no pet policy. You've been holding the line. I don't want any other living pooping being in this house. We gave our kids our now seven-year-old dog for Christmas. She wasn't literally under the tree, but we gave them like a bowl and a collar and stuff like that. And it was so funny. They could not put it together. They were like, why did you give us a bowl? This is horrible. It was like dog bowl, dog collar, dog treats. Huh. They were truly surprised. That was probably the best Christmas present we ever got them. And now I, you know, I'm picking up her poop seven years later, but it was a good 90 seconds for sure. Not doing it. Not doing <laughs> it, guys. It's not going to happen. Santa's not bringing mice to our house. I like Shannon's. When all the grandchildren in my family were in college or older, my mom and her sister started exchanging tacky lingerie. It was mostly trying to see who could get the biggest shock out of the other. We all came to expect these ridiculous gags being exchanged, and everyone laughed until the year my cousin brought his fiance. A bright, lacy green thong was being whirled around and applauded, and the look on her face was priceless. She seriously was worried about what kind of family she was marrying into. <laughs> <laughs> this is like definitely, I touched on it before. 
the my family's tradition is Christmas morning, Santa gifts unwrapped under the tree. Then we like go to church. We do other things. You play with those gifts for most of the day. Some of the cooking happens. Afternoon is Christmas, slow Christmas exchange. So everybody like hands each other a gift and you watch people open. We have cocktails and it's like absolutely one at a time. I'm with you. One at a time. And the first year that I went to my in-laws house, their Christmas morning is like crazy frenzy. Everyone's just like opening gifts all at the same time. And truly, I was in tears at the end of it. I was like, that wasn't correct. That was Christmas. That's like a commercial break. That was like three minutes long and it's over. Yeah. I don't know if they enjoy it, but I have to some degree instituted the tradition of like leisurely Christmas exchange. That for me was just a bridge too far. Like other people's traditions, very, very hard when you're like a Christmas crazy like me. It is hard. Right. And like when you're the one who bought the presents for the nieces and nephews and the father-in-law and whatever. Yeah. You want to see them open what you got them because it's the only reward you're going to get. Right. And then you kind of miss it. Well, that's exactly right. Like I shopped. I wrapped. I did all this stuff like. Can we not do the thing where like, but I think I probably irritate the other people in the family who are like, do we have to really have a four hour Christmas exchange? I want to give a shout out to something you said on last year's holiday episode. It was a helpful hint that I've taken to heart, which is one should always let the laws of holiday attrition work in one's favor. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah. By which this means that if you used to exchange gifts with your book club friends and then you kind of fell off and didn't do it last year, under no circumstances should you reinstate something that has been sort of quietly gone away. My husband is getting much more involved in the Christmas stuff this year. He's helping with the conceiving, the planning, the executing, the wrapping, the what's left. And I love it. But his over-enthusiasm means he's adding new people to the gift list. No, no, no. Yeah, you have to put a stop to that. He's like, my sisters, what am I going to get my sisters? I'm like, you don't get your sisters anything. We get each other's kids presents. The, and he's like, oh, I'm going to get them a little something. No. I am. Put your foot down. Trying. I'm trying. But, you know, it's his holiday. And if he wants to buy them, plan them, wrap them, and take that over, you know, into the future, spooling out 25 years, I guess I can't stop him. But I love the laws of holiday attrition. Yeah, but you have to be careful because what happens is they're not going to remember he's the one who bought them stuff. And next year, it'll be like, Amy didn't get us anything this year. How rude of <laughs> That's right. What a disappointing sister-in-law. Like, that's the problem. It doesn't quite work that way. But yes, the things you can get rid of. We had a kid over yesterday who was like, where's your elf? And I was like, you know, we're not an elf family. And she's like, but I thought everyone had an elf. And I was like, you have to invite the elf to your house. And we have decided not to invite him to our house. I have decided, I have held the line, although I am considering maybe, and maybe someone should stop me. My kids are in 11, 9, and 7. And I'm thinking next year I might do one year of the elf. Oh, be careful. But don't do it, right? I don't know. My daughter so wants the elf. She's guilting me. Well, that's the problem. I mean, yeah, I can say don't do it, but my kids, so my kids now are, I can't believe it, they're 12, 15, and 17. My oldest is now 17. And so it was after our time. So it's easy for me to be like, don't do that crazy stuff. But my younger sister was like, no way I'm doing that until her six-year-old came home from school and started writing letters and leaving them around the house. Like, dear elf, like if should an elf happen by the window, I really hope that you'll come to this house because we want one. And she was like, what am I going to do? Magic of Christmas. Yeah. That, the thing is, it's one of those things that seems extremely important at the time and they're not going to remember not having an elf. So I could hold the line. But I'm like, <laughs> maybe I could give one year the elf. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, maybe I shouldn't. But yes, in general, I think, and this is my Achilles heel of the holidays. My husband and I, ever since we've been married, which is 12 years, have gone to the Messiah sing-along. He's a chorale nerd, my husband. I mean, if you're not a chorale nerd, you may not know what this is. Oh, you've told me about this. I kind of am. Will you invite me to come to this? Because it sounds really fun. Not this year, because for this year, this is the first year we are not going to a Messiah oh. sing-along. And it's like keeping me up at night. Like, it's like we're not doing the thing, you know? Next year, we'll go together. Oh. But also because the one in L.A. was amazing and the one we found in New York so far hasn't been as good. So I'm kind of like, and it's in the city. And for us, that's like a big night. And, rah, 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 and it's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, very expensive sitting and parking and getting it. And I was like, eh. I don't know. I think we're kind of just trying to keep something that should be 
attrition, you know? Yeah, because well, in New York, it's a thing. It's always like an extra layer of thing. But I do have that problem of like, there's a famous story that I've told on the podcast before, so I'll tell the super short version of it, that my grandmother famously at Thanksgiving, my mom was hosting for the first time, and she's like, I'm making the stuffing and the turkey and the mashed potatoes, and then she goes through her whole list, and my grandmother responds, no cream white onions? And my mom was like, no, I wasn't planning on it. And my grandmother was like, well, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving if we didn't have cream white onions. Like, how can you have Thanksgiving without the green white onions. Ew, green white onions. So my mother like researches, and this is pre-internet. So she's like pulling out, you know, uh, right? She's like looking at cookbooks, yeah, looking at indexes. She finally finds it. It's apparently like an extremely complicated recipe. She like puts down the bowl of cream white onions in front of my grandmother, and is like, "I have made the cream white onions." And my grandmother, of course, responds, "Oh no, thanks. I don't like them." She just wanted to have them because she's like, it's part of her holiday tradition. I think. The cream white onion metaphor is something to keep in mind at the holidays. The Messiah thing has not been as fun for us the last couple of years, but I was like, put your Santa hat on and I'll put on my red plaid mm. dress and we are going because this is something we do at the holidays because it is fun. And it's like, wait, it's actually not fun. We're going to not do it. She who mentions the creamed white onions should bring the creamed white onions, right? Like that yes. is entirely available to you, Christmas friend. Yes. We have a lot of very set traditions as children, we all slept together the night before Christmas. And when I say we did this as children, we did this till we were like in our late teens. Too old for such things. <laughs> oh, yes. It stopped one year when my brother brought his now wife, then girlfriend home from college. And we were like, we all sleep together the night before Christmas. And she was like, no, we don't. That's creepy. <laughs> and we were like, what? And like, that is how locked in like it's a Christmas is just like locked in traditions. And I know for me, that is the thing I have to be careful of, because that's what sets up this feeling of like a long time ago when I ran my first marathon, I read a book and it gave me this advice that is advice that I think of throughout my whole life, which is when you run a marathon, do not attach secondary expectations to the marathon. So do not be like, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to run a marathon and it's going to cure my depression because then you set yourself up to do this amazing thing, which is run for 26.2 miles and feel disappointed because you have attached a secondary expectation to it that shouldn't be there. Wow. And I think that is a really good metaphor for the holidays, too, that like don't attach like Christmas is going to be great because the kids are going to be so happy. Christmas is going to be great because you're going to do all the things and you're going to move through Christmas together as a family. And like if there's fighting, if the kids don't like their presents, if the kids ignore the bikes for Pokemon cards, like don't attach expectations other than we are going to be together as a family at Christmas. Because when you think of your happy memories of any holidays and for us, I keep saying Christmas because that's our tradition, but like Hanukkah, any other tradition that you have. New Year's Eve traditions, whatever it is, the kid who falls asleep before the ball drops is the story that people remember. You know, the person who forgot to get the champagne and you all toasted with Diet Coke. That's the New Year's Eve you remember. That's the New Year's Eve you'll always talk about. And so I yeah. think if I were to leave you with strong holiday advice, it would be this idea of secondary expectations. I like that a lot. That Christmas is going to happen and unfold and it will be fun because it's always fun. And if something goes wrong, it'll be a great story. And Right. And the best day of your holiday season may be December 2nd. You know, it may be. It may be the day where like... Mm. Mm -hmm. The advent calendar tips over and you're all scuttling around to pick up all the pieces off the floor. It may be something that is not this thing where you're like, and I will walk out with the turkey and place it in the center of the table and everyone will be filled with the holiday spirit. It's probably not going to happen. Like the thing that you're imagining and setting up with all your hard work may not be the thing that makes your holiday so special. And it also occurs to me that when you bump into something that does work for you, particularly if it's free, keep doing it, like sleeping in the same bed. Or when my kids were little, I used to read them a Christmas carol, like we'd sit down and read it. And of course, we wouldn't usually finish it, like we ran out of steam. Sometimes we did. But they loved it. And that cost us zero. And it was the traditions are the things that you can look forward to. 
Yeah. For us, you're allowed to come down in the morning when we start playing the Hallelujah Chorus. And it's like that. That's something I picked as a tradition for my husband's family. It wasn't my tradition growing up. But like, it's just fun. They standing at the top of the stairs, jumping from foot to foot and waiting. And I can see us doing that when they're in college. You know what I mean? Like you can come down when the Hallelujah Chorus plays. Like it's fun to have the touchstones that bring up the memories. It's like in acting, we talk about sense memory, like you remember things through taste and smell and sound more than you remember them without those things. And like, those are the kind of things like that pine smell and that Christmas song. Those are the things that you remember. It's not about because you went on Pinterest for 25 million hours and like everything on your spreadsheet got done and everybody was happy. You solved it. Guys, we solved the holidays, man. Solved it. You solved it. We want to take a little time at the end of this episode to thank some of the people who work on the show and do things for the show that you don't usually hear about. We want to thank our editor, Christy Hausler at Team Podcast, who puts these episodes together and edits them and makes them sound so good in your ears. We want to thank Sarah Levithan, who provides production support. Our cartoon avatars, the little cartoons of us that you see everywhere, are by Emily Pelton. And our photograph is by Jennifer Lee. And we want to thank ad agencies who bring us the ads that make this podcast possible. And most of all, we want to thank you guys, our listeners and our followers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on WhatFreshLPodcast.com. Thank you for making the show possible. Happy holidays, guys. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.